Hello, welcome to the Books Applied podcast presented by WSL Leadership Coaching. In this podcast, we take a look at an interesting book and talk about how it can apply to your work, sport, or life. I'm Iggy Perillo, and today's book we're talking about is Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why by Lawrence Gonzalez. This was originally written in 2003, and then he added a new introduction in 2017, and it is a fascinating look at how people survive, usually in extreme situations and extreme circumstances, but he intends for it to apply out to any sort of extreme situation, and survival meaning life survival, but also survival of self and survival of relationships or businesses or other things too. So he intends for it to apply beyond just the basics of life and death, which makes it even more fascinating at the current time when things are very stressful for many people and when people are really thinking about survival, maybe on a much more personal level, financially, but also personally and for their lives. Although Gonzalez, he admits that he uses a lot of research based on search and rescue or life and death accidents in aviation, in the wilderness and in other areas. He said that this is mainly because that's where all the research has been done. Like it's hard to do more fine research or data on other things, but he does a pretty comprehensive survey of other literature around the mindset around survival and how people survive. In the end, he boils it all down to a few really useful and pertinent ideas. The first half of the book is mainly about what causes accidents and what things lead to things going awry that put people in survival situations. He talks about the essence of sort of target fixation and how we narrow our focus down and miss other really important data around us sometimes. That sometimes that data is like warning lights and people telling us that's a bad idea or other things or essentially people trying to rescue and help us and we push them off because we have a preconceived idea of what should be happening or how things should happen. He also talks about some common ways people think that they're making themselves more safe, but in reality they're not. And for this, he talks about people roping up when descending some snow fields and some mountains in certain areas where some people refer to roping up as a universal suicide pact because if one person falls, then you end up pulling the rest of your rope team down with you. He switches gears, though, after a little while to get into what makes people survive in these situations. And he talks specifically about how the people who survive aren't necessarily always the people you think will survive in certain situations. One of the things he pulls out is that some people that survive lost in the woods, like a really high number of percentage of survivors are from between four and six years old. Those folks survive, pretty young kids basically survive very well in these situations, being lost in the woods. And he suggested that's because these young kids basically only can see the world around them and don't have a lot of preconceived expectations or ideas of what should be happening. He also mentions that some of the worst survivors are kids between the age of 7 and 12 because they've developed this idea of the world and expectations for the world around them that they then try to put onto this novel situation of being lost and then they fare pretty poorly. He breaks down the sort of what happens as people get lost in sometimes and lost feeling metaphorically or physically in that people start to make a wrong turn. For example, they realize things aren't quite right. Maybe they have a gut feeling, but they keep going because they think that what they are expecting to find will be just around the next corner or just over the next hill or just around the next bend. And so they keep going and going and going until they're very, very lost. And so the sort of commitment to like the expectation of what they're going to find doesn't live up to what they think will happen. The next thing they often do is freak out and panic a little bit. And in this stage, they try something really drastic in order to help themselves out, which usually ends up in injuring themselves in some way. So they 
climb a tree or go to a peak if they're lost in the woods, for example, to try and see what's going on around them, which results often in people slipping and falling or other situations. They get a little banged up. Then they calm down and sort of start to make a more logical, sensical plan. He takes all these different types of research. He looks at people lost at sea. He looks at actually some companies' failures to adapt as times change and things like that. And he boils it down in the end to a few things which he calls the rules of adventure. And this starts with the idea that ideally you should avoid survival situations first. Quotes the sort of um, pilot quote about pilots that there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. So if you can at first avoid being put into a survival situation, you're going to do a lot better surviving. And he talks about how to avoid these types of situations specifically. His first sort of rule about avoiding survival situations is to perceive, believe, then act. To actually perceive what's going on around you and believe that that's what's happening. As conditions change, as things evolve, as situations are not what they normally are, actually perceive them and believe that things are changing. Then take a, a second to, as you believe that, to process that and then decide what to do after that. One of his examples was folks who had put in on a river and were rafting down and they camped overnight. And the next day they realized the water had risen dramatically and giant trees are shooting down the river. And so they decided not to get back on the river because they could perceive that the river had risen drastically and that it was not safe for them to travel anymore. Yet there were people still at the put-in who put in on this like ragingly high river, got sucked down and did not fare very well, if you can imagine, versus the folks who just perceived that the change had happened and then took action to mitigate their risk in that situation. The next thing he says to avoid a sort of survival situation is to avoid impulsive behavior and to not hurry. Often when people figure out that things are going wrong and that, that they are at risk in some way, they can get impulsive, like the people who climb mountains or trees, or they start to rush and hurry and go faster and faster, and then they start to lose track of the important details along the way. As their body amps up and ramps up, they just want to get to the next thing really fast, so they go faster and faster, to try and find what's known, try and find what feels safe, try and find what feels secure. It does not help them in the end. So avoid impulsive behavior and don't hurry is his next main point to avoid survival situations. He next says to know your stuff, which is to really be understanding of the environment you're in and do as much research and have as much knowledge and training as you can for the world around you. After that, get information. As many people know, there are other experts in the field who know things. So to find experts, find people who can give you information, can give you clue, mentorship, guidance over things. He next says commune with the dead, which in his world means to like read the safety reports, read accident reports, read things like that, that show you the mistakes that people have made in the past in an obvious way to avoid them for sure. And then after that, be humble. So knowing that you have limitations and that you are in a situation that's changing and evolving. And after that, if you, after you've been humble, if you're still in doubt, bail out that there's not really a point to like, keep going. If you have the necessary humility, knowledge, information, you've planned, you've tried everything, you've communicated with experts, you've looked at accidents that have happened in the past or poor choices in the past. If you still have doubts, don't do the thing. Avoid whatever it is would be his next point. So if all those things don't keep you from a survival situation, there are things beyond your control. He does talk about this, that sometimes stuff just happens that you can't avoid an accident. He talked about a fellow who was in a solo boat sailing across the ocean. He designed his boat perfectly. He had all his gear. He had all his things. And he thinks that he was hit by a whale because his boat, as he was cruising along one night, 
cracked in half, like which is not going to happen on normal seas, right? So sometimes things just happen. Sometimes a whale will hit your boat. Sometimes things will not go as planned for sure. The weather will change. Conditions will change. The environment will change around you. But even though all these things are changing, if you still perceive, believe, then act, avoid impulsive behavior and not hurry, know your stuff, get the information, commune with the dead, which is do some research on the past, be humble, and if in doubt, bail out. If you can't do any of those things and you're still in trouble, he also talks in very specific detail about the mindset of people who do survive in these situations, which may be that small child. He tells a story about a teenage girl whose plane broke apart because it was hit by lightning as she was flying over the jungles of Peru, I believe. She was 17. She was wearing high heel shoes and like a dress. And she survived 11 days in the jungle and walked herself out. People do amazing things and they have similar mindsets. And he spends a lot of the book dissecting these stories of survival to figure out what commonalities these people have. And from that analysis, he comes up with his sort of 12 rules for how to 12 things basically that survivors do in these situations. A lot of them are similar to how you avoid survival situations in the first place, but I think they're applied differently once you are in a situation that is that high stress, maybe high pressure survival situation. He talks about looking and seeing and believing, then acting. So pick, taking some time to really understand the situation around you, perceive it as it is, without the filter of emotion, what is actually around you, what is actually happening, to look at and see what's happening, to believe that that is what's happening around you, that you have just been thrown out of an airplane, or you are in a condition that have just changed drastically. And to do all that before you act. He says survivors stay calm. They often use humor or fear to focus. Talks about some other folks that were stranded in a lifeboat at sea, and they basically make up names for the fish around them. They tell stories to sort of entertain themselves to take their mind off the situation at hand, but also they really fight to maintain that sense of calm, even though they can feel fear bubbling up inside them. Fear, like unproductive fear. Some folks use that fear to focus and like maintain that sense of calm. You can be calm and fearful at the same time, he would say. But using these skills, like your your whole goal of that is to stay calm so you can maintain that sense of focus. The third thing that survivors do is they think and analyze before they make a plan. They're organized. They set up small, manageable tasks. They set up structures. They organize tiny goals for themselves. Surviving months at sea, lost at sea in a lifeboat, starts with surviving the first night or maybe the first few hours or maybe the first day. And so when people set up these small goals and can... Uh, mark them off along the way, they can see that they're making progress. The fourth thing that people that survive do is they take correct, decisive action. They're bold and cautious while carrying out tasks. They sort of balance this duality of having to take action and do things. He mentions this a few times throughout the book that people are on have to put themselves on their own survival journey, that they have to take ownership and take responsibility for themselves and take action. He talks about people who wait to be rescued, and they sometimes fare well and sometimes don't. But folks, other folks are on a survival journey that might be interrupted by a rescue. And that mindset of putting yourself on that survival journey is taking that correct and decisive action in those moments. The fifth thing that folks that survive do is celebrate their successes. They take joy in completing tasks, even if they are those small, tiny tasks for a day, for an hour, just even moment to moment, in order to build up the sense of competence, but also a sense of momentum to keep themselves going. The sixth thing survivors do are count their blessings. They're grateful. They look at with gratitude for what they do have and what is present in their world versus spending time and energy 
on things that are beyond their control or things that they don't have power or just don't even have it at all. The seventh thing survivors do is play. They sing, they play mind games, they recite poetry, they count anything, they do mathematical problems. They basically do things to sort of distract their mind from the horror that they might be facing or the fear that might overwhelm them by doing things that are methodical, sometimes rhythmic. They talked about some people have uh, talismans or mantras that they just repeat over and over again, maybe one step at a time, other things, poetry, math, games, in order to maintain their focus and keep themselves present in the moment. A sort of interesting part, he says that for the eighth thing that people that survive these uh, situations do is they see the beauty. He talks about several of the different stories, how people are stranded in different places. He talks about uh, the fellow that fell into a crevasse on a mountain, and he no one knew he was down there. And he looked up and he could see the stars, and he just recounted how beautiful the stars were, and that he could see the beauty of heaven from his seat in hell, basically, is how he looked at it. But they, another uh, story talked about these folks that were on a life raft at sea and they were getting cold. So they pulled all the seaweed out to cover their bodies to try and stay warmer in their raft. And the woman who survived talked about how she noticed all the life inside this mat of seaweed, that she could like really appreciate the beauty and interconnectedness and just how intricate that seaweed life was in the midst of this big survival situation. The ninth thing survivors do is they believe they will succeed and they develop a deep conviction that they'll live. He talks about his father who was a World War II pilot and was shot down over Germany. And at a certain point, his father was like, oh, I'm going to survive this. Even though he was beat up, his plane had crashed, you know, he was picked up by Germans who were trying to actually shoot him, but their gun misfired. And so he, once he was convinced that he was going to live, that helped smooth out a lot of the other peaks and valleys both of his mindset in terms of fear but also in terms of being overly joyful or overly invested in something that was going to happen he was just knew that he had to do his one thing at a time to survive and one of those things he did was the 10th thing is to let go of the fear of dying to put away the pain and gonzalez calls this step surrender and survivors manage pain well he talks about another one who is like people someone who was in a crash a plane crash was like well my arm is broken i guess i better keep walking or, oh, my leg is messed up. I guess I better just go an inch at a time. People recognize that there are pain, there is pain, and they manage it, and they keep moving anyways. And it and eventually, their mindset of getting where they need to go outweighs the pain that could stop them from getting there. The 11th thing that people that survive do is whatever, they do whatever is necessary. They're determined, and they have the will and the skill. They know their abilities. They don't overestimate themselves. They do what little they can every time they can do something. They take ownership and take, basically take action on those things. The survivors don't really expect to be rescued. They basically are coldly rational about doing what they need to do in order to take care of themselves and keep moving forward. And the 12th thing that he finds that survivors do is they never give up. They don't let anything break their spirit. There's always one more thing they can do. They have to be creative there might be some frustrations along the way, but to not succumb to that feeling of frustration, to just try the next thing, maybe try to solve a different problem, maybe try to solve a problem in a new way. And maybe it is just to keep moving, depending on what the situation is. They look through their memory for anything that relates to what they were doing. They think about other analog analogous possibilities, other situations that might be useful or helpful in the situation they're in. And they keep going. Along the way, they're keeping themselves occupied. They're making small goals. They're making tiny steps. 
They're in control of their own voyage of survival versus waiting to be rescued. To sum up the 12 things that, that survivors do in all different types of situations. Number one, they perceive and believe what's going on around them. Number two, they stay calm, use humor or, or fear to focus. Number three, they think, analyze, and plan. They set up small, manageable tasks. Number four, they take correct, decisive action. They're bold and cautious while carrying out those tasks. Number five, they celebrate their successes. They take joy in completing some tasks. Number six, they count their blessings. They're grateful. They recognize that they're alive. Number seven, they play. They sing. They do mind games, recite poetry, count things. Number eight, they look for beauty, and they see beauty around them. Number nine, they believe they will succeed. They develop that deep conviction that they're going to be alive. Number 10, they let go of their fear of dying, and they put away the pain and focus on what is manageable and what they need to do in front of them. Number 11, they do what is necessary. They're determined. They have the will and the skill to keep moving, keep trying new things. Number 12, they never give up. They let nothing break their spirit on their voyage of survival. Again, the book is Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why by Lawrence Gonzalez. It was a fascinating read. So many interesting stories from so many different areas of how people survive at different things. And he talks a little bit about the business world, just at hair too, mainly on the not great business choice side. I hope you can apply some of these ideas and concepts to any stressful situation that you're feeling in your life. Whether or not they're a life and death thing, they could be personal, relationship, business, financial, anything. He says these same mindsets, these same ideas will apply. This has been the Books Applied Podcast presented by WSL Leadership Coaching. I'm Iggy, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. You can find more podcasts and more information about the work I do to help people have more excellent work support in life at worksportlife.com. 